Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to the Activation Class, Becoming Who You Are, taught by Teaching Pastor Daryl Feebster. All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, and Lord, we're recognizing that our need of you is greater than our need of anything else. Father, we want to walk in the reality that you created in us. You birthed us again into a living hope, and Lord, we need your hope. We need your walk, your life. Father, we're asking you to speak to us, teach us. You said if we made disciples that we were to teach them to observe everything that you've commanded us. And Lord, that's what we want to do. We want to walk in the fullness of what you have birthed us to to have. And so we trust you to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to welcome you, and I'm so glad that you are participating in this because... The scripture says, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness will be filled. And if you're hungry for God, if you're hungry to walk with him, if you're hungry to live in that reality that you have with him, then I hope that this is going to be an encouragement to you. The title of this is Becoming Who You Are. And I'm going to put some background to it. And then uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. He drew you to himself and he birthed you from above when you responded to him in faith. And when that transaction, no matter what your encounter or experience might might be, the simplicity of it is when you responded to God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and said yes to Him, He did a spiritual work in you that is so real, it's like a new creation. You became someone you had never been before. You were born from above. You became something that God has recreated you. And let me tell you, that word new there, kainos, means you became a new quality, a whole new character, a whole new dimension of life you were put into when you trusted Jesus Christ. Now, many of us, we were saved as children. We were taught, we knew our need, and we said yes. And we've been in that process of discovering What we got when we got Jesus. And some of you saved as adults. You spending a lot of your times forgetting those things which are behind in order to discover what God has brought you into. And so what we're going to do in this class more than anything else is to try to activate the new creation. Is to bring that to the forefront. Because it doesn't take long after you become a Christian that the world and the devil and the things of this world tend to choke out the things of God because they're competing. It's a competition. And the battle is in your mind. Most of us, we don't realize, but the battle that is really at work in us is in our own choices, in our own reasonings, in our own instruction. So that verse... About being a new creation, all things have become new. And I'm going to read this. It's on your notes. I want to read this, and I want you to just follow on. In Christ, you are a new creature, a new man, created in righteousness and holiness. You're referred to as saints, set-apart ones. You are holy and blameless. You became the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ, you are complete. Perfected. You're members of God's household, citizens of heaven. You're a priest with access into the Holy of Holies. You're kings who reign in life through Jesus Christ. You were once ungodly, but now you're godly. You're chosen of God, reconciled to God, accepted in the brethren. There is therefore no condemnation. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Which of these do you have a problem with? When you're reading and thinking of yourself, in Christ you're a new creation. Does anybody have a problem with being a new creation? 
See, we know this in our head, but I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you feel like I'm a new creation? Okay, good. I want you to. See, here's the thing. The battle is we tend to judge who we are by how we behave, not what God has said. Okay? And if our behavior, let's just, I'm going to use just real language. If our behavior's messed up, we think we're messed up. Yeah. All right? And so what we're going to be talking about is how we come to be, how we become this new creation. This new, we, now here's the thing I want you to see. You are this already. How many of you are saints? Raise your hands. Okay? How many of you are blameless? You see, what we have a problem with is we tend to, to define these words according to our past, according to the world, and not according to Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're a new man. So, the whole thing that we're going to be talking about is this, who you really are. And the reason I'll be handing you out a sheet that's probably ten pages long, that is a sheet of of scripture concerning who you are in Christ. And uh, I'm not going to spend time on it. There's confessions, but here's what I found myself doing. I was confessing who I was without reading the scripture that said who I was. What I want us to focus on is what the scripture says about who we are. That the Holy Spirit would make that real to us, not that we just become a repetitive thing. How many of you know you can confess it and not be it? What I mean, you can't act, it doesn't become practice. Now, all of this is why I'm starting with this is because I want you to understand this is who you really are. It's who you really are. If, if you were a millionaire, if you were a millionaire, okay, you wouldn't have any problem acting like a millionaire. But if I told you you were a millionaire but you didn't have it in your bank, you would wonder, hey, why is it that some people can win the lottery and then within a few short months or a few short years, now all of that's gone? Because they never they 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 never changed about who they were. They mm-hmm. kept acting the way they acted and did what they did and got the same result. And so what I want you to hear in this is that we're going to say that one of the big problems is a battle in our mind to come to realize that I'm a new creation, but I've been an old creation for so long that I have a habit. And if I don't change the way I think, if I don't change the way that I, what I live by, I will revert to, I will default back to common of what I have. And so, all of that to say, you're none of these things. You're not a new creation, and you're none of these things by your own works, by your own ability, by your own actions. You are these things that I read to you. You're this because you've been begotten from above, placed in union with Christ, and Christ has come to be that in you. You're a new creation in your spirit. You're becoming new in your soul. If you don't understand the process, you'll constantly be deceived, discouraged, and double-minded. Most of us, including me, we uh, we have a problem with uh, with double-minded. James tells us that if we don't practice, if we don't become doers of the word, we're just hearers only. If we just have what Chris was talking about this morning, if we just got the teaching and we can answer the questions, but we're not practicing it, then we will revert back to the the things that are habit and habitual. And if you've been at New Covenant for any length of time, you've heard all that I'm going to be saying to you. Because hearing it and being taught it doesn't make it practice. Okay? God is at work in us. And uh, let me get my my thoughts straight here and start. In James 1.22, it's on your notes. 
Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 22 through 25 in the message, I want, you, I want to read this to you. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Let the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. What that's saying to me and what I want you to hear in that is if I don't respond to what God is making me see, if I don't respond to the revelation, if I just take the revelation as a good thought, a good teaching, and I don't respond or act accordingly, then the very thing that I thought I had will be taken from me. In other words, the enemy will rob it. You remember the parable of the four souls and the, one of them, the seed that's scattered out on top of the ground and the, the birds of prey come and take it away? And I want you to understand that most of us, the problem we have is that we, we have to respond to what we already know. God is at work in us. You don't become who you are by a power encounter. Okay? A power encounter may introduce you to Jesus, but you gotta walk it. You don't, you don't, uh, we used to have, you know, the fault, the slain in the spirit. It's not how you fall, it's how you get up and walk. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. In other words, it's not the experience, it's the practice. And it's the practice that's going to change your life. Okay? We're going to be talking about becoming in life and practice who you already are in Christ Jesus. You can become it because it's who you already are. You don't act to be it, you act to and become it because that's who you are. So I want you to understand the reason I gave you these words at the front is that's who you are. You are a new creation. You are holy and blameless. You are complete. You're perfected and whole, nothing lacking. You are members of God's household, joint heirs with Jesus, citizens of heaven. You're a priest before God. You're kings ruling in life through Christ Jesus. You're godly, you're chosen, you're reconciled, you're accepted. That's who you are. What I'm going to be saying is you're not going to become those things because you act different. You already are those things. Then why don't we act like it? One of the reasons is we have never realized that when you received Christ, you were changed inside. But we live in a world outside. Alright? So... I'm laying foundation that we're going to get into the strategy more in the next three weeks. But here's the thing that I want you to see. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The Amplified Version says it this way. Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. And that word trembling means self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That's an incredible definition. We are to participate with what God is already energizing. Let me just say this to you. I believe you're here because you really want to become what God says you are. You're here because you want to know, what do I do? How do I act? What do I hear? What do I, what are the steps? We, because we always want some action. There is action, but I want you to know it's not the action that's going to make it. 
It's you participating what God is already doing in you. And when you participate, when you hear and respond to what God is saying to you, you're going to find that the fog is going to lift and you're going to step in to what God always created you, has always created you to be. Okay? Now some of you, am I confusing you? Are you okay? Alright? I want to get some response here because I don't want to overwhelm you. Well, how do we do that? That's what this class is. How do we do that? So I want to start out with Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's New King James. I want to read it to the Amplified because just <laughs> the Amplified is called the heart of hearing version. Okay? Heart of hearing version. It, in other words, it, an Amplified does this. It takes the original language and gives other descriptive words as a way of translating that passage. So that's what this Amplified. Listen to this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable or rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. I'm going to stop right there. For you to give yourself lock, stock, and barrel, I guess is what you, when you give every part of yourself to God, it is a spiritual act of worship. It is the way you worship God. The, we, we think you worship God through singing. Through, the way you worship God is giving your whole being over to Him. That's worship. Singing and all of that it can be involved in it, but I want you to understand the underlying acting. You can sing songs to the best, and best quality and all that and not worship. Why? Because I'm not giving my whole self. Him. When I've given my whole life, and so what we're going to be talking about, the only way you're going to become who you are is by presenting yourself, by giving the whole of your being over to Christ. When I say the whole of your being, I'm not leaving anything out. I'm not talking about your Sunday life. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about every aspect of who you are, what makes you you, everything. And we'll talk more about this well, in fact, I better talk about it now. I beg you to do it because of all the mercies of God. Now, Romans 12.1 starts after the first 11 chapters of Romans. Okay? Here's what we tend to do. We pull verses out, and he says, I, I beg you, therefore, to give your body a living sacrifice. Well, what's the... Because of all that I've been writing to you now, here's what I'm asking you to do. In other words, because of everything else I've said, now I'm asking you to give your whole selves over to God. Well, what else has he said? Well, in Romans 1 through 3, you find out about sin. About the sinfulness of mankind, the sinners in our own heart. About the emptiness of religion. In Romans 3 and 4, you find about the wage of sin is death. And the faith, and it's not by works, it's not by the activities of the flesh, but it's by the grace of God. In Romans 5 through 8, it tells you what you receive when you receive Christ Jesus. That you've been baptized with Him. You've been buried with Him in baptism. The old man has passed away. You've become a brand new creature. In Romans 8, it talks about that nothing will separate you from this love. No, neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor anything. There's no condemnation to you anymore in Christ because of the mercy of God, because of the grace of God. And 9-11 talks about how, how far-reaching this salvation is. Even back to the Jews who are not receiving it, they're going to be coming. You've been grafted into this, and it's, it's the work of God. Okay, And when he gets to the end of chapter 11, he says, Okay, after all of this, then I'm inviting you to give your whole self. Look at all the mercy God's given you. Now, give your whole self over to Him. Every part of you. 
All your hopes and dreams and your past and your present and your future, give it all over to Him. That is your intelligent, rational act of worship. And then he says this in verse 2. You have to go back to the message. I mean, the amplified there. Don't be conformed to this world. That's a command. Don't be conformed. Put in this mold of this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. This is the way you're going to know what God has for you. When you present your whole self and then you stop being pushed into the mold of the world and you are transformed. We're going to be talking about what this means. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay? Then you're going to know not only what God's will is, but God's will for you. God's purpose, His plan. His provision for you. Okay? Now, I've read this before, but the message translation, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. That's number one. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Fix your attention on God. The New Living Translation says, don't, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul is begging them to give their entire lives over to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And then let God transform you. This is what I want to spend the time. On your sheet of notes, you'll see that there's the word transform. Metamorpho. Transform. It's, we get our word metamorphosis from it. Metamorphosis. Uh, the metamorpho in this verse is in the passive voice. This means that this process is being performed by an outside force, literally an inside force, the Holy Spirit. It's not a change produced by self-effort. What I want you to understand is what we're talking about is we're going to try to get us to change the way we think in order to let the Holy Spirit do the work that He's in us to do to transform us, to metamorphosis us. This word is only used three times in Scripture. It was used when Jesus was transfigured and that which he was really on the inside began to glow on the outside. Since his, he was transfigured, his, his garments, and he was talking and communicating with Moses and Elijah, the prophet and the law and stuff. And Peter, you know, he's there, he's so excited, he wants to build a, let's build three, three tabernacles so we can dwell. Let's just stay here. Let's, and, and, and Jesus, God wouldn't let him. Because it was, it was a demonstration of what was on the inside that was working itself to the outside. What I want you to know is that God has got something on the inside of you that is so glorious, so magnificent, and what He's wanting to do is to transform you to where that becomes the visible aspect of who you are. It becomes your character. It becomes your demonstration. It becomes your lifestyle and action. God is wanting to transform you. Metamorphosis means, you know, I, I, in a sermon series, I talked about the butter, the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Another, let me give you a more country one. A tadpole. A tadpole. What does a tadpole become? 
a frog. You think his world changed from being a frog, a tadpole to a frog? But you see, that was always who he was. But what changed was the environment that he was living in and what was working on the inside of him worked on the outside and he became a whole different, in our eyes, a whole different creature. From a tadpole, metamorphosis, that's what I'm trying to get through to you. What God is wanting to do is to make the real you come out to where you become something that the world could not even have known you were before. Pastor Chris's sermon this morning, you become the display of the glory of God in this world that the world can see who God is and want to be a part with Him. Alright? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about how God will lead you to know this how. Yes. Alright? Now, to be transformed, it's in the present tense now. It's the passive voice in the present tense. The present tense means this. It's progressively realized. It's a process. It's something that's going to be carried out through process. How many of us want a quick fix? You know, zap me, give it to me, let's get on with it. You know, doctors, you get this all the time, don't you? Just give me a shot. Just just heal me. Just give me. No, there's a process. And let me tell you, it is so good of God to make it a process. Because we develop it. And what I'm sharing with you, I've known for 30 years. And yet, at the same time, I'm still in process of learning. It's process. You're going to spend the rest of your life discovering and becoming who you already were the moment you got saved. And you're going to discover and live in the glory of it in all of its brilliance right in the middle of a world that's watching. And so that's the whole point. Uh, Transform. But how does he say he's going to transform us? By the renewing of our mind. Now, when we think of renew, we say it means to be made new again. But this word new is the same word as new creation. Renew here is not to make new, in other words, to get the latest model of education. The word new is kainos. It means a brand new, a, a new character of learning, a new character of mind. A new transformation happens by a whole new way of thinking. It's qualitatively new. It's the change of character of your thinking. You can think now in a way that before you were born again was not possible. Gary, get here the other day, we were out visiting Gary. He was telling me, he said, you know, there was not, he didn't understand it either, but he said, now I see it. He said, I can't believe everybody doesn't see it. There was a whole new way of thinking that came to Gary in his relationship with the Lord, and now he's discovering all of who God is. But what I'm telling you is, it was already there, and now it's just like, why doesn't everybody see it? Because it's so obvious. It's a whole new way of thinking. Let me give you a, a, a real world uh, illustration. A few years back, I, I first started writing out my sermons by hand on ruled paper. And I would get up in the pulpit and I would preach. Well, then I got a typewriter. And then I began to type out my... And then when we moved to, to here, I got a computer. And this computer, it was kind of like my typewriter. It could put my thoughts, but it could store them. And it had an operating system by which not only could it store them, but it could compute, and, and I, I could put things in, and I could look things up. And I had a Bible program on this computer that I could look up original language and all that kind of stuff and get new things. It just opened the world of Scripture to me in a new way. I'm used to, I had a concordance and I used to read, y'all ever remember the Strong's Concordance, an old big thick book? You'd look up the word and the number and do all of that. And all of that was for me to get to know the word. Now I have a computer and now all I do is hit a key and here it comes and I can put and I can and discern what I need to put down. Well then, 
I was, I got so enthused about how the computers worked, I started building them and working on them and stuff. And there's what, and so I was a Windows, you know, Windows. I really started in DOS. You all know what DOS is? Yeah. Okay. Well, then it came out that now all I had to do is click on an icon and it would open up the whole program. Okay. And I got to where I could use, but every part of that was a learning curve. Went from typewriter to computer, the floppy disk, mm-hmm. all right? Then computer, then we got into Windows, and I could just click on the icon, and here would come up the program, and I could do all that. Everything got simpler and easier. But then there was a thing called viruses that Windows got. It would mess up stuff. And I heard about a Mac computer, a Mac computer, and Macs uh, seemed to be, they didn't get viruses, they seemed to be more dependable. They worked. It seemed to be simpler. There still was the icon thing and stuff like that. It was a computer, but it was a whole different operating system. Now, what amazed me is I'd come all this way, and now I switched to Mac, and what I tried to do is I tried to make my Mac work like Windows. And when Macs don't work like Windows. They work like Macs. And for me to learn how to use the Mac, I had to stop being conformed to the Windows world. And I had to learn a whole new operating system. You know how you learn an operating system? One step at a time. I still would try to do what I did on the Windows and it wouldn't work. And I'd get frustrated. Okay? Now, I'm, a, I'm living in a Mac world. <laughs> and I can do all these things, do everything. And now, you know what I've discovered? It's so hard for me to go back to a PC or to a Windows. I don't even know how it works anymore. Okay? What I've just described to you is what happens when you're born again. God changes operating systems within you. You once operated this way. You live this way. You live by wisdom. You live by the world system. You live. You did all this. This is the way you were taught. You were brought up in it. This is the way you act. This is the what you do. This is how you behave. This is, and it was moral. And it was, a, but it wasn't life. Now suddenly, you could have even gone to church according to the world system. Follow me. Mm-hmm. But there was a time when you came to Jesus Christ. And he made you a new creation. He put a new operating system in you. The old one doesn't work anymore. How many of you know after you came to Christ, what you used to do, you can't do anymore? I mean, you thought you could. And how many of you even tried it? (laughs) And it doesn't work. What What do I mean by not work? It doesn't give you life. It doesn't give you peace. It doesn't give you hope. It doesn't give you meaning. Because all of those things have changed. There's a new operating system. Okay? And that's neat. And now, now there's peace and, and scriptures alive to you and those kind of things. And all of this is happening. And you're, But pretty soon you find yourself, the world piling in from every direction. And you find yourself, when you run into the frustration of what God is asking or what you don't know, you tend to go back to what you did know. And that confusion of trying to put those two things together, one doesn't work. And then there are people that tell you, well, you ought to do this, and you ought to do that, you ought to do And you find yourself living now under the morality of it and losing the life of it. Doing the same thing, because it's a good thing, and that's what God says to do, and yet you find that all the life is being sucked out of it, because it's not out of a relationship, it's out of a routine, it's out of rote, it's out of uh, law instead of life. So what we're going to read, the way you become who you are is to discover the life again in it. And what you're doing is doing out of the response of life you may, it may look like you're doing the same thing. Well, I'm still reading my Bible, but now it's a life to Used to, I read my Bible every day, and I did all those things because I was supposed to. I prayed, I said my five-minute prayer and went on with things, but now I want to spend time with God. It's a difference of operating systems. Get it? But here's the thing. 
It's an always process of learning. How many of you have an iPhone 11 now? Has anybody upgraded your iPhone to 11? Bonnie? No, you don't have you have a T and you have not upgraded to it. The whole point I'm trying to say is, Connie started out with a back phone. Connie said she went from a back phone to a flip phone. And if she would have, she would be glad to stay with the flip phone because when when the flip phone quit, she was having withdrawals. Okay, but now she has an iPhone. And let me tell you something about Connie. She hates change. <laughs> Just why doesn't it work like it used to work? Have you noticed with every upgrade, they change the way things work? Yeah. Yes. Listen to me. This is a spiritual point. With every upgrade God works in your life, you're going to have a learning curve. Okay? You're going to have to put it into practice. You're going to have to learn what he means by that what he's saying, what he's asking of you. The easiest thing to do is stay with the flip phone world with God. <laughs> okay? So every time you think, I'm finally getting it. No, you're just finally getting that part. <laughs> and as you put that into practice, to whom he's faithful in little, he will give you more. We, we want that to be money. <laughs> what God wants it to be is life. Uh-huh. When you learn to walk with me in this place, I'm going to give you more. When you learn to walk me in, in that place, I'm going to give you more. It is a constant moving and growing and developing, becoming who God always knew you were. He always, he's at work in you to choose it and to do it. He's going to continually be transforming you. You're you're not a tadpole anymore. You're a frog. And God kisses frogs. And they turn into princes and princesses. You understand what I'm saying? The whole idea is that God is continually transforming us by the renewing of our mind. And that word mind is nuos. Nuos. Now, the word renew means, we, we would think of the word renovate. To make new again. To make a whole different plot. In other words, if you were to renovate furniture you're taking that which is already there, but you're making it new. Okay? What God is doing, He's taking what's already there, but He's making it new. He's taking your mind, and He's making it new. Now, the word mind here means much more than we think. Nuas means that mental that organ of mental perception and apprehension is the seat of understanding, the thinking faculty. It's, it's the seat of emotions and affections. It's the mode of thinking and feeling, disposition and moral inclination. What is literally your mind and the way you apprehend and the way you think about things, that's what God is making new. He's changing the way you think. He's making a new way of thinking. Alright? What you used to think, you don't, after he gets through with you, you don't think that anymore. Now you're thinking in a whole new way. But it's not just about thinking because you've got to respond to that thinking and put it into practice. And that's what Chris was talking about this morning. It is putting into practice. I thought his illustration about right hand and left hand was brilliant. What we we were so accustomed to using when when you don't think to use your right hand if you're right hand. If you're left handed you don't think about using your left hand. You don't think about it. You just do it. I mean it's a way of life. It's the way you think. But if you were to tie that right hand behind your back you would have to have a whole new way of thinking to to practice and use to where you become good at using what you were not accustomed to using. I'm telling you, you become, the what God is at work in us is to 
to develop in us a whole new way of living that is so different. It's so different from the world system that it is like it's brand new. It's a whole new character. It, and you don't even realize it until you start to compare it. Well, that's not. It's kind of like all of a sudden you've done it all your life, but suddenly it's not right. Why is it not right? Because God changed the way I think about this. Is that making sense? So what I'm going to be talking about is we start to talk about more of these things. I want you to understand what we're going to be talking about is changing the way we think about it. And it's the Word of God. It's prayer. It's time with Him. All of these things that's involved in becoming who you are. <clears throat> it's a process. It's Truly a work of God. Here's the good news for you. Let me just give it to you. All you have to do is participate. Now that sounds easy, but it's not. So when God wakes you up and says, do this today, you immediately have other ways of thinking about what he just said. And so I'm going to have to make a conscious decision to participate with God. Here's my good news to you. God will never tell you to do anything that he will not empower you. With the word that God gives you, he gives the power to bring it to pass. Follow me? I'm not telling you to start a new discipline for discipline's sake. I'm not saying your action is going to change. I'm saying your participation, your responding to God, will find, you will find that God will empower you to do it. You may not even do it right. It's not about right and wrong. It's about responding. Because when you respond, you become tuned into Him. And when you fix your attention on Him, He transforms you. Colossians chapter 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. Now, we don't even know how to do that. Well, guess who's above? Him. Set your minds on Him. When you wake up in the morning, what, and be honest with me, what's your first thought? What day is this? Right? Well, go ahead. Anybody just say, Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Coffee. You see, we we fix our minds almost immediately on how we think. The first things, the first things, and here's the thing. God said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. So I've got to let him train my mind to put him first. What does he do? I have to realize I'm presenting my whole self to Him. And in presenting my whole self to Him, I'm at His disposal. So when He says to me, do this, when He says to me, read this, when He says to me, call, see, whatever that is, it's, and let me tell you how He does it. It's usually an impression of your mind. You You've given yourself to it. So God just comes in the morning and says, Hey, walk with me today. Yeah, but God, I've got all these things I need. What do you mean walk? How, how, and immediately we start arguing with it. I do. Okay? Well, okay. Here's what I do. What does that mean? And what are you going to be? What are you wanting to be for me today that I could not find out apart from this? And so I set my attention. Now that does not mean I don't go to work and I don't do the things that I'm supposed to do. Let me tell you something. God will make you ultimately responsible because you are reflecting Him. So I'm not saying laziness or getting so spiritual you're no earthly good. I'm talking about you're so spiritual that the earth longs, the earth longs for what you're bringing to it. Okay? So you go to work and you do whatever you've given your hands to do. You do it as unto the Lord. And you're not serving and you're not working for your boss. You're actually working for the Lord and your boss is just one paying you to do what God's called you to do. Follow me? Mm -hmm. So it's becoming who you are. Okay. 
The transformation that God is working in us in the renewing of our mind involves a complete, radical recentering of yourself. If you think that what we're talking about is getting better at living this religious life, you're missing my point. The point is that I'm giving myself over to to the Lord Jesus and I'm trusting Him to live the life that I'm living right now through me in such a way that He will be glorified and I will be the fulfillment of what He was created to be. That I become who He made me to be. For me, that was a teaching pastor. For you, it may be a, a craftsman. It may be someone who serves. All of this, it's not about occupation. It's about personhood in the midst of what God's purpose. You fulfill your purpose. All right. That means I have to first give it. Here's the, let me close with this. Can a person really change? You're going to have to settle this in your mind. Can God really do this in me? I mean, really change. Stop being one way and start being another. I'm not talking about a new philosophy or ideology or religious belief system. I'm talking about genuine, all-encompassing change from the inside out. And let me tell you something. Now, Connie uses an iPhone better than me because she practices it. I just use it for what I want it to do. Okay? And let me tell you what that means to me spiritually. Really, all I want God to do is just help me get done what I need. I don't want to have to learn anything good. I don't want to have to do it. I just want to get through this world and go to heaven when I die. If that's really all I'm wanting, then I'm not really wanting God to be God in my life. I'm wanting God to be my blesser, be my provider, be my helper to get what I want. But if I'm really wanting this new operating system to work in my life, I've got to say, I give it all. And I've got to humble myself enough to say, you know, I really don't know what's best for me. You know what's best for me, so would you lead me into it? I don't know what's the best thing to do today. But I know you know. This is the day you've made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. So just whatever you have for me, let me discover. So now I'm looking throughout the day for God's thing. Instead of just getting this Monday over with. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, can a person change? Yes, if they surrender mm-hmm. and really want God to be the essence of their mm-hmm. life. They can really change. And not only change, they can become who they always wanted to be. Now, it does happen, but it doesn't happen as often as we think. Because most people are so trapped in their habits and behaviors that they begin each day chained to yesterday, doomed to repeat the same mistakes again and again. It doesn't have to be this way, but it is, because change doesn't come easy. It takes three things to experience lasting change, and they're written on the bottom of your paper. It takes time. It takes effort. And it takes strategy. It's not going to happen fast. We're not going to know, you're not going to know how to do it in three weeks. <laughs> That's what we've got left of this class. What I want to do is to install the principles by which that we practice it. The other side of that is I want you to really think deeply, really think deeply about what do you really want to become. Do I want to become what God has planned for me? Or do I want to become what I think is best? And you've got to make that, because that will determine how you, which way you go. Uh, and then, effort. I've got to put in the time, but I've got to put in the effort. I've got to practice it. I've got to practice it. Now, I was talking about Connie on the iPhone. The reason she knows how to do some things on the iPhones is because her grandkids showed her. <laughs> Okay? What is what am I saying there? Somebody who knew how to do it showed her how to do it and kept with her until she knew how to do it. 
And now she knows how to do it, and she can show me how to do it. Okay? So what we're talking about, the reason I ask for your emails and things, is I want you to think of, I would love for you to think about your story. Think about your story. Who you are. What God's done in your life. And what do you think God's wanting to do in your life? Alright? And I'm going to invite you. Don't know this is homework. Okay? This is a response. I'm going to invite you to get you a journal and write down who you see yourself to be, who what God has done for you, and what do you think God has. What are you willing to commit to Him? Are you willing to give your whole self to Him? Over the period of these three weeks, I'm going to invite you to put some certain things in practice and share with each other. What do you think? What do you think God's doing? What's He said to you today? And then, as those addresses are going to be there, I'm not going to buy them carbon copies, so everybody that I send it to, you will have everybody's address. I'm going to invite you to do another thing. I want you to start praying for the people on that list. Would you pray for them that God would help them to become everything that God has created them to be? And then as you start to pray for them, if God gives you insights, you have their email. God shows you something, or maybe you know them in a certain way that you want to ask them a question, you have their email. So what am I inviting us to do? I'm inviting us to enter into a relationship that says the thing about this relationship is we're wanting to become who God's called us. Over the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about strategy. We're going to be talking about things that you've heard a thousand times, but changing the way we think about it. Changing the way we think. Change the way you think about Scripture. There's a whole new operating system in Scripture. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Most of us have read it enough to know and stop. Uh, a new way of thinking is stop looking at commands as orders and as opportunities. When God asks you to do something, it's an opportunity. It's not a command in the sense that I've got to do it or else. It's an opportunity for me to discover something about him and something about me and something about this situation. Okay? And I don't want to get so much in that. Okay, let's pray. Father, we bless you and thank you. And Lord, we're asking you to pour out your spirit upon us with revelation knowledge. We're asking you to help us to see that this is practice. It's not just teaching. And that, Father, that we can allow your Holy Spirit to transform us as we respond to you. Help us to see one another as new creations in Christ Jesus. And know that what you have started, you will finish. And that, Father, that we can grow together and discover that every one of us have a part in this whole plan and purpose that you're working out in our world, in our time, in our day. And Lord, make it so and make it real to us. Change the way we think. Help us see it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.